0: Hi, I'm Adrian for the podcast, I'm Also, where I talk to people with multiple careers, pursuits and interests. My guest for this episode is Anne Pankhurst. Anne has an extensive experience in event management, such as organising the Westpac Tauranga Business Awards. She is chair of the Tarnished Frocks and Divas Charitable Trust, sits on several other boards, including Acorn Foundation, and has extensive experience in the hospitality sector, having opened and owned several well-known restaurants. Hello, Anne.
1: Hello Adrian.
0: Hi, I actually edited that that down quite a lot actually because you've you've got a lot on.
1: I have got quite a bit on, you could safely say that.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll just start with what you're on doing right now.
1: Okay, I'm actually working on um, the Westpac Tauranga Business Awards as you know, but I'm working here at Toi Ohomai with the students, the film and creative students, and they're working on a project with me where they film the entrance, they then edit down the sections and hopefully we'll be able to see it on the night which is, I really love working with students. It's so wonderful, and I really enjoy the experience. But bigger than that is the Business Awards, so we start judging all the entrants next week, and that includes having a site visit where I send out my head facilitator and he will look at all of the businesses involved. And then we have a pitch weekend, which is going to be the whole judging process this year is new, so we've had to redesign it. But having a pitch weekend is really exciting, this scary dragon's den.
0: Is that the change? Is it the...
1: That's the big change. So normally we would have had a, a team of two go to a business and then they work it out. But this way we have one facilitator who sees all the businesses and not just a category. And then he is part of the pitch weekend. So he's seen the business in operation, if you like. The other judges sit there and ask questions of each person as they pitch. And pitching is quite um, is quite a challenge for some people. They, Kiwis are not naturally skitey people. They tend to sort of underplay their achievements. But this is a time for them to really skite. And so this year we've also, largely due to COVID, and I'm sure everyone says this, we've reset what the awards look like. So instead of being a big gala dinner, we're a, a cocktail party. So it's now rethinking the psychology around having people stand for two or three hours. We're also running a taste love local, and we're where we're tasting local breweries, local food, local distilleries. So we're really promoting that love local theme, not in you know trying really hard to to introduce what is happening locally, like breweries, like the distillery, like the wineries.
0: Do you think the local businesses are bouncing back after?
1: Yes, I think a good number are. I think um, for some, if they failed in the first round of lockdown, they were probably marginal. Uh, I think some businesses chewed into quite a lot of their reserves in the first round. They got through, they did their absolute best to keep their staff. I think if we had a third lockdown, a number of uh, way more businesses would fail because they've run out of reserves, they've run out of that little bit of fat that they had sitting in their business, and frankly they've run out of the will, because a lot of this is about your own well-being and your own ability to be resilient, and how resilient can a person be when they're constantly under threat, or thinking that their business is under threat.
0: Yeah, and a lot of them have, have sort of had to adapt as well, haven't they?
1: Hugely. So it's a very interesting um, point, that adapting, because I was talking to a company that were going to go into the business awards, but they've uh, found themselves really busy. So they are um, an aviation company that looks after all the ground work, you know, all the people that move the trolleys about, etc., etc. et cetera. So that was their entire business until obviously the aviation industry just didn't go into slow-mo, it stopped. So they have adapted um, and have set themselves up as a PTE, or private training enterprise, to train people to do this. So apparently they've got about 12 projects on their table because they needed to diversify, uh, not from the aviation industry as such, but what else was available in there. And I think a number of businesses have done that, including... um, increasing their digital or e-commerce, um, how they manage their business has changed.
0: I think, yeah, the big e-commerce has been huge because, you know, I've talked to businesses before and it's like, ah we're right kind of thing, but now they're all...
1: E-commerce okay. E-commerce is critical. Let's
0: get that website working.
1: Yeah, and you'd be surprised how many people didn't have websites, how many people didn't have an e-commerce site and that they were suddenly having to... to to use a word that I hate, pivot, pivot into this e-commerce. But it is critical. If you're not doing good digital enablement or e-commerce, your business will almost certainly fail now. And um, even some of the entrants in the business awards are talking about how they went into e-commerce through COVID. And it does... The other thing that we found, because we did a number of webinars through uh, COVID and... um, you don't have any boundaries anymore. So we were getting people from Vancouver logging into our um, webinars here in Tauranga. And we had people from Invercargill far north, whereas normally we would have a bit of a boundary when you were physically involved. So that sense that you are now literally able to trade or operate worldwide became really, really important.
0: Yeah, um, so you obviously right into the business you always been a a business person.
1: Yes, I have. I um, my first business was years ago uh, when my daughter, who is now forty four, we ran. Uh, I know, I know you're going to say I can't believe you have a forty four year old daughter, Adrian. I know, but it's true.
0: Trying to do the maths in my
1: head. Well, actually, she's the youngest, so there you go. Um, we ran a milk um, delivery business. So I saw this wonderful picture recently on. Facebook of a trolley with milk bottles and it said anyone remember this and I thought not only do I remember but but it was my life silver uh, top silver top and they hadn't even got as smart as other colored tops and so you know the old run round the street pick up the empties and put the new ones down so that was my first foray into business after working for um, TVNZ in those days So since then, I've pretty well been in business, give or take, all the time, except for the last 20 years when I've worked at the Chamber. Doing, it's been a a culmination of all the things that I've done in the past, so event organising, as you said at the beginning. Mm.
0: So what I know you've got a whole lot of other things going on. What's sort of a normal, maybe a week? A normal
1: week? Let's pick one that was about um, two or three weeks ago. So we had, um, the week before this particular week, I'd had... Somebody called me and said, I've got a really um, top secret project, but we need you. Could you help us source a business? And I said, Sure. I said, Why is it top secret? And it was because the Prime Minister could be coming. And whenever you have the Prime Minister visit, it is top, top secret because they have a very short window. So I found a business. We organised that. The following Tuesday, the Prime Minister came into town like the little rock star that she is and had thousands of people around her. So that was on the Tuesday, having lunch with the Prime Minister. And two days later, we had the um, parliamentary debate where we had the local candidates speaking. So that was just one week of my life trying to organise all of these different things in the middle of organising the business awards. The week before that, it had been the CEO of the city. So the people I come across in my role are really interesting Lot of politicians, and there's you could, um, we could discuss that for the rest of the day, but we won't. But, but some also some really interesting business owners. And what I find in the Westpac Business Awards is that the business owners really, really genuinely care about their businesses. And one of the questions I ask is, What's their biggest asset? And every single one, without fail, and with a big Proud smile on their face, say they're people. And it's very, very important. To yes. Him. Yes, you're you're rude.
0: Did the Did the Prime Minister? Did, did, how did she introduce herself? Because I remember, hey, Chris, Chris Hipkins came in. I think it was last year. And I was like, well, who's going to? Am I supposed to call him Minister or is it Mister?
1: He said hi,
0: and, and Chris. Yeah, he goes hi, Chris, and he's younger than me as well. So I'm like, I'm not going to call him Mister. But he goes hi, I'm Chris.
1: All yeah, right, I, I think um. I don't think New Zealand politicians are not carried away with their own importance. They're actually real people that happen to be doing a job. And uh, my experience was the Prime Minister and I had met years before, and so she just immediately said, Oh, hi, Anne, it's great to see you. And I was thinking, of all the hundreds and thousands of people that you meet, you still remember me? But I addressed her as Prime Minister because it's of but she definitely is um, Jacinda. Yeah. Not that she has to introduce herself yeah. very much anymore, yeah. but she certainly drew a crowd of fascinated people. Um, and I, d- I don't think it's um, necessarily because of the role, but the other person that I'd met in the past was John Key, and he had a similar sort of charismatic yeah. following, people Naturally drawn to their personality. Yeah, I they,
0: actually I met him as well on the radio station. Yeah. he came in and he was pretty pretty casual. Very casual. He was very good. He was very, definitely good people skills.
1: Great people skills, yeah. and I think when you look at those successful prime ministers, it is about their people skills. But but both of them were able to immediately turn on a pin about the knowledge of what they know. You know, you couldn't put anything past them. They've got a really good grasp of what needs to be said and how it's said. But he had a similar charismatic feel that people just automatically were drawn to them. Yeah. But yeah, just Jacinda.
0: Okay, let's move on to some of your other um, involvements. The um, oh, was the the old mention it down the the tarnished frocks and divas charitable yes. trust.
1: So this is my little you know there's a number of things in my life that I do for free yeah. like some Lula but um, these are this has got particular personal fulfillment and it's because it's um it's a show that we put on every two years everyone in the show um, on stage is a woman over forty and the stories of those women both on and off stage are phenomenal and often survivors or have um, overcome challenges in their life. And it's very—it's a very fulfilling thing. It's a humongous amount of work. It's now nearly a million-dollar show, which is a lot of money, mm. and it's a lot of money to go back into the community. We couldn't do it without the wonderful volunteers. There's about 180 of them. In fact, we, you couldn't afford to put the show on. We make every single garment. That's about 400 garments. We design from literally blue skies. So we sit down and go, what's this year's programme? And that takes two years to develop, write a script, do all the music, do all the clothing, do all the technical design. And um, just then it's over in a flash. We go for four nights, it's over in a flash, But it's, and this year we're releasing a film about the show oh. through Rialto, so we've... Um, Lovely Paul Innes from Two Seats has been doing this film about us, the old fly on the wall doco type. Oh, really? And he has been taking shots of us. And it's, he's made a beautiful film that really speaks to what we're about and our co papa. And that will come out just before Christmas.
0: Right. Have you got another one planned for next year? Yes, year. Well,
1: yes, we have. We're starting the um, thinking and planning, but it, all of that takes about two years in COVID. Know, love it or hate it has um, upset a whole lot of people in their planning for all sorts of stuff, but it, it, it does, it has had an effect.
0: Yeah. I was going to go to tennis, I always go to the tennis, and that just got cancelled.
1: Well, it has indeed. You shan't be going to the tennis. <laughs> you can go to the rugby, though. I don't know why they've cancelled the tennis and not the, um, mind you, I suppose it's all the players come from out of, yes, yes, that's true. Whereas yes. they, you know, mostly we can keep in our bubble inside the yeah. rugby, can't we? Yeah.
0: Uh, and the Acorn Foundation. Yes. Was that was involved with that?
1: So this do? is a philanthropic trust that was started twelve, fourteen years ago. And um I've just recently gone on as a trustee, particularly on the scholarship side. And um it it's based on American philanthropic trusts where they take money from people who bequeath money to them and they can either pick a specific cause, say the SPCA, or they can just put it into the general pot. And um, over time, it's not just people who pass that put their money in, but you can put it in while you're alive and you can just put in small amounts on a regular basis. That money then is amalgamated and invested and they return the um, interest of that pot of money back to the community in all sorts of wonderful ways and things that they do. And it's just, um, again, uh, probably because I have a strong social sense that philanthropic giving back is really, really important. So I'm really proud to be part of the Acorn Trust. It's, um, it does do amazing work. And last year gave back something like $1.5 million back into the community. Wow. So that's, uh, that will only grow as their pot grows. It will grow to such a degree that they're giving back millions into the community, and um, I'll be part of that. It's mm-hmm. very special.
0: Where's some of the previous money gone to?
1: Um, they go to, well, one of the particular trusts that I had recently just resigned from is a thing called Live for More, which is a trust that takes um, young men they, between 18 and 25 that have kind of reached the end of potential. And through the therapy of surfing, teaches them life skills again. Gets them back on track and gives them something to look forward to. So that's one of the trusts that I know have received money. So they look largely to trusts that are doing social um, and community Mm -hmm. outcomes. Uh, The scholarship side is about managing scholarships. So people give money as a scholarship, uh, Joy Owens or the Owens Family Trust, Give scholarships to uh, seventh formers. Uh, see, I get that. I don't even know what year. that's a that's year. year. Mm. Thanks, Adrian.
0: I wouldn't say thanks, Adrian. I still think seventh form. Is it year 13? Yes. Is we'll it say. year Should we 13 or is it 12? Year... We? No, I, I think, think it's, it's 13. 13. Year 13.
1: Lucky 13. Yeah. So if you're going to university and you're struggling to get the money that you need to do, you can apply to this trust to get money to help you and it can be over two years so you get you know a sum of money each year to help you go to um university and uh, i suppose i'm old enough now to think that education starts and at the beginning and ends at the end of university it doesn't end at the end of high school so we should all be encouraging people to go to university as much as possible Mm. and but it's not always as easy as it sounds to get there and to sustain your education
0: have you had any, you're sort of doing mentorship now, I guess you'd say, have you had mentors yourself in the past? to get you
1: um, I have had mentors, and um, it's people that, um, for me, I um, unpack my problems, because as a mentor, I know that I've largely got solutions in my head I just that are in such a jumble I can't unpack it, or balancing some sort of um, ethical thing so I do have mentors Uh, half the time they don't know they're doing it I'll just discuss a problem I'm um, a variety that when I talk I actually can come to a solution so having a mentor that just sits and talks with me helps me get to a solution but I personally think that the role of a mentor is extremely powerful And that it is not a sign of um, inability to have one. It's actually a sign of strength to have mentors, to use them and to be open with them. And um, also acknowledge them, actually, because um, they quite often give way more than they get out of it. And it's a really critical role. Do you have mentors?
0: Yeah, I've got a few. I need to get some more. I did the, actually it was the business, I'm going to go back and do that again, the, the, um, the small business group, I can't
1: remember that Small name. business total, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I managed that through the chamber. Yeah. yeah, I did
0: that a couple of years ago, but I need. I wasn't really prepared properly, now I'm better prepared. Yes. So now, now I need to go back and do that again, I've decided.
1: Yes, I think having mentors, particularly in business, one of the roles that i sort of see developing and particularly out of COVID, is advisory boards Mm -hmm. so you've got your mentor that you personally connect with and you discuss stuff but advisory boards is um is a group of people that you can just put the problem on the table and you have a discussion with so they don't have any kind of uh, fiduciary responsibility to your company like a board does so they can help you work through problems and unpick stuff but they're not in a position to direct you so you still own the decision at the end of the day but having that ability and and finding those people that have the skills that you need i think there's a real role for small businesses to have that
0: yeah i also have creative mentors as well for the creative side of things absolutely
1: i've got creative mentors that it's not till you kind of leave them you go oh actually yes you are you've helped me creatively yeah
0: because you've got your um or your son for a start he's in a creative role isn't he
1: he's in an extremely creative role and um, he's a creative producer in New York so he left university he went and worked for a um, an editing company in Sydney called guillotine which I think is one of the best names that you could possibly yeah. have wish I'd got that name <coughs> he then went straight to London and then to New York so he's kind of he didn't kind of bugger about really he went straight to the top and he slowly but surely um worked his way up but he's just finished a project here with spark um developing a program where you can you the person on the street can sail um the america's cup boat which is so exciting and it's a very high level of technology that he's now operating in
0: yeah i saw the ad for it and i was like what is that
1: (laughs) So I'm very, very proud of him and what he does because he's, very, um, he's a very talented person. Uh, way beyond anything that I could even imagine, but he is very, very talented. So his name is Adam Jenkins, and I'm sure there's some people in the city or who may be listening to this that will know that.
0: I'll put a link to it in the, in the notes.
1: Oh, great. Thank you.
0: Um, well, I guess we need to talk a bit of food because you've been involved in the hospitality industry. For um local business, what uh oh, I guess. Yes, Astrolab. So that's probably one people know.
1: Um, the M- and, Yes. So I I start. I decided um when I was about how old was I? About thirty that I wanted to be a chef because you just do it like that. You don't. After I'd fin- finished in television, I needed something that gave me that adrenaline buzz that working in broadcasting does, because when you're going to air live, there's n- you cannot imagine the adrenaline buzz. It's just so exciting because la- you've got to be ready. You've got to be on time. You've got to work. Nobody wants going to black or dead sound, so no. you've got to be absolutely on top of your game. Well, that is, if you're an adrenaline junkie like me, that is such a buzz. So the next best thing was becoming a chef because you you, you are working at the top of your game all the time. So I got involved in being a chef, as you do, and um, then got involved with a partner, Jan uh, Hunt, and I. we bought Meditrano and we worked that for two and a half years. And then a friend came in and said, hey, look, we want to build something over at the mount. Would you advise us about this? So I went to the mount with this particular friend, and we were looking at a space, and I went, intuitively, what you're thinking of doing, this space is too small. And I'd heard at the time that um, the old Mount Post Office had just mm. sold. So I walked this person along the street and said, what about this building? And immediately you could see the bones. So we found out who owned it, we did the work, and we we that was the beginning of Astrolab, so we um uh, built a group of people, investors, active investors, not just silent. Sometimes it could be darn it, but mostly they were active and um we created the Astrolab and then we opened it and sort of we opened on the nineteenth of November nineteen ninety five thinking it would be a nice soft landing. Well by the end of the week we had queues out the door and it didn't stop. It was just unbelievably successful. And it just took off, and we didn't even know there was no such thing as a soft landing. This was top of the roller coaster going full tit down. So it was an amazing experience. And we had always designed it to be a long term business. So, half of most of the guys that I was in business with had been part of the old Mount crew, and they and lots of people won't know this, but it was all about the Osh. Now, the Osh was the ocean side that was set on the corner of Manganui Road, uh, not Manganui Road, um, Marine Parade, was famous, it was where everyone went to the Osh. So they kind of wanted a replica that they w- that was going to replace the Osh. Well, it has, and it does, and it is the place to go. And it's sort of apparently every year now, around Christmas, everyone goes back to kind of tap into your old mates again. So, That principle that we thought of really carefully, that we wanted it to be a long-term place and to be memorable, has worked. Which tells you that, for me, when you go into business, understand where you want it to be and and plan around that. Don't just kind of open and next week I change the complexion because it didn't work quite as well you've actually got to dig in and, and make it work for you.
0: So what's your th- what's your three top tips for we'll say starting a business?
1: But think very carefully, understand the solution that you're solving, understand what the market is doing, and work out how to monetize it. Because yeah. lots of people have a great idea, but they don't know how to make money out of it. And that doesn't mean buckets of money, it just means some money. Mm. And um, one of the other things, and this is going to sound as boring as having a cash flow. Where's your money coming from, and where is it going to? And and just knowing your business inside out. And the other thing, I shouldn't. You said three, but I've given you quite a few. More's good. If you're good on the tools, whatever the tools are, just do that because you're worth more doing that than trying to run the business, and working at night till all hours to for a job that potentially somebody else could do for a quarter of the price. And the most common that Kiwis do is they work really hard in the business, then go home at night and do the accounts. Well, honestly, you can make much more money doing well in the business than going home and doing the job that you can get somebody else to do really efficiently. Mm.
0: I remember you saying that to me a while back. but, But in the weekend, I had someone call me up in that situation they were doing the doing the accounts in the weekend and I actually thought of you it's like funny I've because it's just crazy yeah
1: you know you could be in your business earning 120 200 300 who knows how much an hour and you're doing a job that you could pay somebody 25 dollars to do yeah. you just you just have to do the math yeah you have to understand your worth in the business same as if you're really good on the tools or you're great on the factory floor because you make a brilliant widget, don't think you have to run the business. Pay somebody for the skill to run the business and do what you're really, really good at. But Kiwis really have a fundamental um, number eight why and try and fix everything instead of just going, no, I'm paying somebody to do that. You can work out management processes to be involved in the business and the day-to-day running of it. You just don't have to do the work or try to do the work. So those are a few very quick off the top.
0: Mm, it's good. Right, we'll get, to, we'll get to plug a product so you can pr- plug something, promote something of yourself or your uh, local business? or. Uh...
1: I notice here that you've got advocacy.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't do advocacy.
1: I, that's really important. I am um, have a very strong political bent. Uh, some people will know I was a city councillor, but got... Um, I got fired by the community because I supported a museum, which I still do, by the yes, way. Yes, that's
0: still simmering along, isn't it? Simmering
1: m- along. Sadly, the simmers go from just barely bubbling to cranking. But The
0: website's still there. I was but thinking.
1: it doesn't ever form anything apart from yeah. a whole lot of hot air, yeah. sadly. So, um, I do, advocacy is really important. I'm, I'm opinionated, mouthy. But I am open for discussion, but I do think that um, you've got to have a point of view and uh, we don't have to agree, which is really important. So advocacy is something that I'm very strong on. And to plug a product, product. I guess for me, there's so, so many things that I've got involved in, but right now it is actually supporting business. And uh, making sure that, that you are caring for your health and well-being through this time. Mm. I was talking to somebody yesterday who has got a really good business, has, has had a really bad time through COVID. And this person, I would have thought, has buckets of resilience, but was even talking about their own health and well-being. But more importantly, him as the business owner, about managing his staffs health and well-being so the product I'd like to plug is health and well-being and to actually take it seriously and if you don't feel you're coping do something about it because it's real and it is a challenging challenging time and now's the tricky time you know COVID sort of had a bit of a buzz going on like it or lump it but this is the hard now and the recovery stage and we're resilience is critical. Mm. So um, the Chamber also has, um, we uh, run the regional business partnership where we get government funding to support business. So if you need support, call us and we can help you with um, capability building. So those are my products.
0: Mm, okay, so we'll finish on, look after your health. Totally. Totally. Okay, thanks you, Anne, it was great.
1: Thank you.